Well, the pattern for this evening is uh, going to follow a similar pattern to the last communion we had. Um, I was going to do a dress, slightly shorter dress than sometimes, and then we're going to have our time of communion. And then as we did last time, we're going to have a time of open prayer after that. Just feel it's uh, good for us to have time of prayer together. And it's good to have time of prayer which is just devotional in response to what the Lord has done and our thinking of the cross, uh, to have our hearts united as different ones lead us in brief prayers. So that's the pattern for this evening. Um, Our reading is from Ephesians 5. I'm going to read verses 22 to 33 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I could actually start with verse 21 as it has a link. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Well, the wedding is obviously in my mind, and perhaps it's in a few of your minds as well. In two days' time, something uh, different, something special occurring on this very spot. And uh, as we have our communion time this evening, it seemed to me a good combination to be thinking of some of the words, some of the phrases that we read in Ephesians 5. Um, If you do uh, tune in or come to the wedding, you're invited to the wedding on uh, Saturday, uh, before the bride comes in, Gemma and Morgan have arranged for a short uh, three-minute video to be shown. It's based on this passage and it shows what marriage pictures. So it's a good chapter to be in this evening. I'm not going to be given a very balanced message really on the passage as I'm particularly wanting to link it in with the fact that it is our communion time together. 
There are two practical responsibilities in this passage. Uh, One for wives. Uh, Wives are to submit. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. It's put in terms of respect in the summary verse at the end of verse 33. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Well, it's good if we're in the position of being a wife to think, is that our goal? Is that our aim? To submit, to respect? Has the respect got low? Are we going our own independent way with disregard for uh, leadership, hopefully good, wise leadership? Does respect and submission characterise our approach to marriage? These are the sort of questions that uh, this passage should produce for wives. Of course, the other practical responsibility is directed to the husband, Husbands are to love their wives. Verse 25, husbands love your wives. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then again in the summary verse at the end, however let each of you love his wife as himself. So, if we're in the position of being a husband, it's a good thing for us to think about. Is it our aim? Is it our goal of, as husbands to love? Does love describe the attitude you have to your wife? Does it characterise your side of the relationship? Of course, they go together. In a good marriage, you need both. It's easier to respect, isn't it? When uh, love is what you are shown, it's easier to love when you're respected. But sometimes we do need to focus especially on our responsibility and not uh, spend all our time thinking about what the responsibility is of the other half of the marriage. To focus on our word, respect, submit, love. But for this evening, we're especially focusing on love as it ties in with the communion theme. And verse 25 is going to be our main focus. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does love mean here? Uh, what what word could you replace it with? That's sometimes a useful way of thinking about a, a word. If you were to replace the word love, what, what other words might you put in? Husbands, your wives, as Christ, the church, and gave himself up for her. What does love involve? What does love involve? 
What are some of the main strands from this passage that love seems to involve? Well, as I thought about it a bit this week, and so thought through some of the aspects of the passage, not all of them, there's profound things here, but there were four things that I thought love involved. Four of the things, I should say, that love involves. One thing is love involves cherishing. Cherishing. It's there in verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. You could say, husbands, cherish your wives as Christ has the church, as Christ cherished the church. I don't know as I've thought about this quite so much. I've been reading Song of Solomon though this week. I thought it was a quite a timely book to go on to this week. And one of the things that struck me is how highly um, he regards her his wife or to-be wife. How much his thoughts are taken up with his bride. Uh, Let's just give you some of the quotes that struck me from Song of Solomon. It's it's poetic, the culture is different, uh, that um, sometimes feels strange for for us. Here, Solomon, Solomon 1 verse 15, Behold you are beautiful, my love. Behold you are beautiful. Chapter 2, as a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. Chapter 4 and verse 8. No, it wasn't 4 verse 8. 4 verse 7, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Verse 9 it was, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. Husband cherishes his wife, loves her, taken up with her. And this is what Christ does. For the church, or this is how Christ is towards the church. He cherishes the church. He cherishes the church. He he values the church. He desires the church. In a sense, the church has captivated his heart. Well, that seems so strange because we are so unworthy of it. There's no debate about that. But he's captivated with love for the church. The church is so much in his mind and affections. He has a desire towards the church, a a longing towards the church, a love towards the church. He cherishes the church. As Christ loved the church, he cherished it. Well, in thinking through these verses, I thought another thing that love involved was care. Love involves care. So you could say, husbands, care for your wives as Christ cared for the church. 
care for your wives. Peter encourages us to dwell with our wives with understanding. Here we're to care like we would for our own body. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And here the care of Christ for the church is for her cleanliness and her purity, her final presentation. It's also that she should be nourished, verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. So as as husbands, if we're in that role, we should be concerned for the physical health of our wife. We should be concerned for the the mental health of our wife. We should be concerned for the spiritual health of our wives. I wonder, husbands, whether you are concerned for all three. It's a fresh challenge for us. Concerned for physical health, mental health, spiritual health. But here in this parallel, it is that Jesus cares for his bride, for the church. That Jesus wants it to be spiritually, or her to be spiritually healthy, to be nourished, to flourish. So he gives his spirit to the church. So he gives his word to the church. So he gives gifts to the church. So he gives this communion time, which is a time of, or should be, blessing, encouragement, uh, nourishment, taking us back to the cross, uh, uh, plugging us in again to the gospel, uh, reminding us of what the Lord Jesus has done. It is part of his provision and kindness for our health, our, our care, our nourishment, our benefit. It is a spiritual feeding time when we come together like this. So love involves care and Christ cares for the church. Another word would be commitment. Commitment. Husbands be committed to your wives as Christ is to the church. Well, commitment is implied in the word love, isn't it? It's often the, uh, an overlooked side of, of love in many of the sort of more emotional focus or the songs that there might be around. Uh, there is emotion in love, but uh, there is strong commitment. There is uh, a, a steadfastness, a loyalty in love. And it, it comes out here. Referring back to Genesis in verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. There's a a leaving and a cleaving in marriage and the cleaving is a commitment. It's holding fast, it's sticking together. It's loyalty, there's one flesh, there's unity. And the same is 
true of Jesus and us. He says, no one shall pluck you from my hands. He says, nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. The grief of too many wives is that love has not been steadfast, but the love of Jesus is steadfast to his bride. You think of the lovely phrase at the start of John 13, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. There's another verse in Song of Solomon along these lines. Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy is as fierce as the grave. And so here on Saturday... Uh, The rings will be used and it says the rings signify that these promises and this union shall remain unbroken while life shall last. Commitment, loyalty. And as we take communion together this evening as well, it's pointing to that. Committed love. Uh, the elements, the bread and the wine that we take, uh, point us to the committed love of Christ for his people. It's the bread of the new covenant. Covenant is a, a word of commitment, undertaking. It's sometimes called the new covenant meal. So we, we come to this meal and in a sense we can rest in the security of the love of Christ. It reminds us of that committed love. It may not have been the best of months. It may not have been the most successful of months. It may be a month of sad failures. But we come reminded of the committed love of Christ as we come together. Jeremiah talks about being loved with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. So remembering what we learned Sunday morning, uh, the love of Christ is, is, well, I say more committed. It's more ongoing because it is beyond this life. Therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. And then lastly, Love involves cost. Love involves cost. Well, that's perhaps the main thing that comes out in this verse 25, isn't it? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. And gave himself up for her. He gave himself for her. Christ gave himself for us. It's a challenge, isn't it, to care and to love when cost is involved. But real love seems to cope with cost. Uh, You think of Jacob, do you remember Jacob? Genesis uh, 29, when he had to be so patient because of the way in which he was dealt with. And it says this about him. 
29 and verse 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. So the cost was was so worth it. It seemed so small because he loved her so much. At the end of Song of Solomon we, we have this. Many waters cannot quench love Neither can floods drown it. If a man, a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. So there's a, a giving up things. The things that she would enjoy, but you don't enjoy so much. And, well, you, you make way, you give up. It's not always easy, is it, husbands? But that should be a, Inclination, yeah, well, yes, we make overall decision of the situation and, but, but there's an inclination in our hearts to, 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 to give our wife certainly what's good for her, but also what she wants, what she delights in. And we, we find it hard sometimes. We want our own way, but no, we think, no, I love her and I want to be sacrificial and it will cost me, but, but it's, it's small because I love her so much is how we should be thinking. And of course, Christ gave the ultimate He loved his bride so much he gave the ultimate, he paid the ultimate price. It was essential, there was no other way. He was willing. And the reminders we have as we take communion will be in front of us. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus has done that. And in a way, the things we take, they they shout to us. As we take the bread, it shouts, I loved you this much. I gave my body for you. And as we take the wine, I, I love you this much. I gave my blood for you. So different aspects of the wonderful love of Christ that we can think about this evening. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In a way, every time we come together monthly, husbands, we we have a reminder of what we should be like. But all of us, we have a reminder of what Jesus has been like. And that should be a real tonic for our souls. Well, we're going to have our, our next song now, which is going to lead us into communion and we're going to do it differently it is that um, a lovely song uh, behold the lamb who bears our sins away and what we're going to do is I suggest we stay seated for when this is sung and we're going to see it's well we're going to have we're going to listen to the first two verses um, before we take the bread and then there's a further verse before we take the wine and then there's a further verse after we've taken the wine. So we're interspersed our, our time of uh, taking the Lord's Supper with these good words before we then lead on to our prayer. So behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us, and we remember. <laughs>